Good morning, church family and ministry friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. God's word is going to fill you fuller than a Thanksgiving dinner. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's receive the tithes and offerings today by looking at one particular verse. This is Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus said, For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. My friends, as you honor the Lord today with your giving, as you bring the tithe into the storehouse of the Lord, as you sow sacred seed offerings, my friends, also open your mouth and speak to any mountain of what we would call unpaid bills, what could be debts that would say we're going to stay around until Jesus comes back. The debt might even say we're going to survive through the millennium. No, speak to it and command it to be paid off and removed out of your life. And it might even help sometimes if you pull them out in front of you. You need to know exactly how much money you owe, but that you would put it out in front of you and just speak to the debt, speak to the credit card debts, and command them to be paid off. Praise the Lord. So we are instructed by the Lord Jesus to talk to mountain-type situations. Praise God. So yes, while you are honoring God with your finances, you want to engage the entire package of redemption. Yes, being a tither brings you into a financial covenant with God. As you give offerings, you sow towards a harvest. And at the same time, we can use our mouth to proclaim a debt-free destiny, a destiny of abundance and overflow where your needs are so easily met that you're in the overflow just like that. And you're able to distribute and bless on a scale that perhaps maybe you once thought would be impossible, but you'll find out that God can get you there very quickly. Now, this was a scripture given to me at the very beginning of this year that I shared in the month of January. And I'm just saying, finish the year working this verse, finish the year standing on this word, operating on it and speak to those things, particularly financial challenges that you might have any debt that you might have and command it to move. Look, even if you can manage the debt, let's say that you're making payments on it. That's good. But what's better than managing it is just having it gone. <laughs> Woo. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. So as you today bring in the tithe and offering, as you do, just take a moment and it might only take a minute, maybe 30 seconds and speak and say, I speak to every credit card debt against me, against my personal life. I command you to be paid off in the name of Jesus. Some of you, you've been out of college for decades. You've still got some student loans. Uh, they're still rising up like, uh, like Mount Everest or Mount Rushmore. And they're saying, we're going to be around for still a long time. We might even outlive you. <laughs> <laughs> you can take your college degree to the grave, right? Still owing on it. But that's not going to be your case. Speak to the student loan debt, 
Even if you can manage it, you're making payments, but speak to it and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to be paid off and get out of my life and hit it and stay on it and work this scripture. And as you're tithing, as you're sowing seed, and as you're speaking, I'm telling you what it just, these things just, sometimes they just crumble and collapse and they're gone. And something happens. You're just able to pay it all off at once. And sometimes uh, you hit it, but then you'll be able to get a blessing. Then you hit it with a real heavy hammer where you knock it down a whole lot. And before you know it, it's gone. It's gone. But my friends, work this word of Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, and watch how God will accelerate you into debt freedom and to a place of great abundance where every mountain has been leveled. Glory, glory, glory to God. Woo, praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people now as they're bringing the tithe, which is 10% of their income, as they're bringing the tithe into the storehouse, as they're honoring you with offerings that they sow by the leading of your spirit. I thank you, Father God, for debt-free lives. I thank you for abundance. I thank you for all the mountains made flatter than a pancake. And I thank you for prosperity being their portion. I thank you, Father, that they have hearts for kingdom expansion. I thank you, Father, for my online church members, my ministry partners that help me to send the gospel around the world through the internet, through television, and through other platforms that you have given us. I thank you for blessing them and honoring them for their heart to see the church built up in the faith. Strengthen them, O God. Bless them greatly. Let them have no lack. Let them have no debt. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. Amen. I see mountains crumbling into the sea, mountains being thrown into the sea. Praise the Lord forever. Glory to God. All right. Uh, before we jump into the message, make sure that if you are mailing in your tithe and your offering, that you send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, the zip code 286. Now, if you prefer to give online, and many of you do, you can go online and bring it in. It's highly encrypted, safe, and secure. Go to stephenbrooks.org, and as you go to the website, the homepage, look up. You'll see the link. It says Give Online. You can click that. It takes you to the giving page. There's a little drop-down menu. You'll see the area for the tithe. You'll see the area for offerings and some various projects that we're working on that you could give an offering into, and it's right there for you, and it comes right into the storehouse of the Lord. Now, remember, as you do so, stop just for a moment, speak to your mountain, any mountain of debt, even if it's manageable. Remember, no debt is better than manageable debt, and certainly if it's toxic debt, you want it gone as quickly as possible, but as you're bringing it in. Speak to the mountain and command it to move. Woo, praise God. Amen. And I know that your seed speaks on your behalf and your tithe protects you. Praise God. And you're going to get through and you're going to get into your wealthy place as mentioned in Psalm 66 verses 10 to, uh, through 12. All right. Now, thank you for your giving, your faithfulness to the Lord in that area. Let's take our Bibles and jump over to 1 Peter. The Apostle Peter uh, wrote this letter. It's beautiful. First Peter chapter 5. We're going to begin today in verse 8. And let's pray. 
Father, as we are in your word now, studying your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come bringing fresh illumination, fresh revelation, and let the word be alive. Let it be spiritual food that we can consume and draw strength from. Now, Father, we thank you that your spirit is working. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we say, Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let me grab a drink of water real quick. Again, we're in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 8. And Peter said, Be sober. Now the joy of the Lord is our strength, and there's always a bubbling joy in the heart of the believer. But it's, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit also gives you that balance where at the same time there is a soberness about you. And you realize that you're on a journey to heaven, amen, walking the straight and narrow path. And we have to be sober because there is somebody out there that doesn't like us. You know, and I think that was what many Israelis understood, that although they want peace so bad, when they witnessed the horror of Hamas murdering over 1,300 innocent Israeli uh, civilians, the reality began to break through to many of them, because many of them are very, very liberal in their thinking. The, the, the reality broke in that there are actually people that really want to kill us. And yes, there are. Then they can't understand why, because many of them are uh, what we would call secular Jews, and they, uh, uh, many of them don't even believe in God. But that's why they don't understand this hatred, because it's satanic, but they're not aware, most of them are not aware of the spiritual realm. But my friends, we have to be, we have to be sober. The joy of the Lord is our strength, and at the same time, we're not just uh, kind of like goofing off thinking life's a party, because it's not. We are on a battlefield. Praise God. Amen. And we just want to be aware of that. And so he says, be vigilant. In other words, be on the alert. Keep your, keep your, spiritual, your spiritual eyes and ears open. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, who is who? The devil. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, of course, we know that he is a pretender. He is not actually a lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and the devil goes about as a lion. But many, many believers have underestimated the craftiness and the sneakiness of the devil. Sometimes they laugh, saying he's just a big kitty cat. He's no big deal. But my friends, uh, he will look for an open door. And if there is an open door, suddenly even a believer can have a lion on their hands. So we want to do what verse 9 says, resist him. The main way that you can resist him is by walking in obedience to God's word. There will still be uh, persecutions. There can still be various temptations that could come through. One of the greatest things that can come out of temptation, although we, we don't want to engage temptation, but one of the greatest things that comes out of temptation is our 
realization that we need God's help. And if you don't understand that, you can be a believer and you could be like Peter and say, Lord, I'll stand with you. Even if all of these weak Christians, they collapse and fall, I'll never back out on you. And the next thing you know, Peter has not only denied the Lord, he is now being cornered. And this is the big, tough fisherman, the big man. He is now being backed down and talked down by a little girl who says, wait a minute, we know who you are. He goes, oh, oh, no, 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 that's not me. And that's a little bitty girl totally upending him, getting him to do what he never said he would ever do. What's going on? Peter didn't realize what he was up against. So temptation does reveal to us our humanity and our desperate need to cling to Jesus and to walk very, very close to him. Be sober, be vigilant, because the, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, resist him. Now, that's what we're going to do. We're going to put out the stiff arm, resist him, steadfast in the faith. And if it's in the faith, then you need to have faith in God's word. And so you need to know God's word. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Amen. So we're pulling for them. They're pulling for us. We have an extensive work within the underground church in China. Pastor Stephen, give us some statistics. I can't because we just don't know. All that we do know is that the books which are in Mandarin are circulating. Every single book that I have written has been taken and has been put into Mandarin by, by those that are in China. And those books are going forth, helping the body of Christ that is underground. And of course, you know that that doesn't mean that they're literally underground. Uh, it just means they are functioning in society as Christians, but you got to be real careful because you could get put in jail, lose your life for believing a believer, uh, or excuse me, for believing in Jesus. The persecution can be fierce. The consequences can be fatal. So uh, we are praying for them. They are praying for us. Praise God. So this is experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Glory to God. I've even been able to minister uh, through an open door to the people of Iran, the Persian people. And that is actually, uh, as far as what we know in the study of missiology, the study of missions, that is actually the nation that is experiencing the fastest church growth in the world. It is Iran, and then followed continually by the tremendous work that God is doing amongst his precious Chinese people. Praise God. So we want to resist the devil, and we want to know that he goes about like a roaring lion, but we, listen, we are not on the menu. Woo, praise God. He looks at the menu at the restaurant of who to devour for the day, and you know what? You're not on there. There is a place in the Lord where you can stay on your toes spiritually, and you're not the next victim. You're not a victim at all. And just like a bully, or just like the enemy, or just like a lion uh, in the natural, they look for weakness. They look for the easy pick. 
Uh, they may go after a big target at times, but if they do, they have to have just the perfect setup to get that. But my friends, when you're strong in the Lord and you're walking in that, there really is nowhere for the enemy to get in. Yes, he can still cause persecution. He can make, he can make somebody laugh at you or maybe say something or write something about you because of your faith in the Lord. But um, he, he, it's, that's all external. He can't get in to really put a hit on you. Praise God. So we are going to resist him and honor the Lord with the way that we live and govern our lives. Romans chapter 8. Let us drop down to verse 6. For to be carnally minded, say that just for a moment, say carnally minded. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's, it's like friction. It's a hostility against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. My friends, the Lord wants you to walk in the Holy Spirit so that your life can be pleasing to the Lord and so that you can have that righteousness, peace, and joy that goes along with the inheritance of the believer. Now look again at verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. Carnally minded. Now the word carnal uh, the English word carnal comes from the Latin, and it is derived from the meaning of meat. Maybe you've heard of chili con carne, or chili with meat. So carnal, in its root meaning, refers to meat. We know it means to be fleshly, and to be in the flesh, and you know all of the foolishness involved with that. But to be carnally minded, in a sense, Paul is saying, it's like, it's like you're a meathead. It means you're not into the things of the God. You think the things of the spirit are a joke. You think those that really serve the Lord, all of that is silly or maybe not necessary. And the next thing you know, those people walk right into snares and traps that the enemy has laid for them. Now, let me say this just for a moment about the sinners. You do understand that the enemy already has them. So when it comes to the area of temptation, that is certainly out there for the sinners to steal, to be immoral, to do all of the uh, countless things that are available for them to do. But for many sinners, they don't know the Bible. For many sinners, they have no moral code. So it's just kind of like whatever happens, happens. And for some of them, maybe in a sense, they're not like uh, like ethically bad people, they're just not saved. The catch is, is that many times the devil with people like that, he just leaves them alone. It's not like they're having great cravings and horrible, passionate drives to do something wrong. No, the devil doesn't have, he doesn't have the time to mess with that. He's going to put the main attack against the believers, against the Christians. But for those that, that he already has, they're just pawns in his hand. And many times he doesn't even mess with them in these areas of temptation. A lot of times he doesn't want to actually harm them in the sense because why? 
He doesn't want to kill them prematurely because many of them are doing his will. <laughs> so why would he stop that? <laughs> I mean, if that person is running a pornographic store, that person is operating a liquor store, and this person is a money launderer, and they're doing all of this evil, and it's helping the enemy's camp to move forward with their agenda, then why in the world would the devil try to take them out? <laughs> He's already got them anyhow. They'll eventually be going to his uh uh, place well he uh, the devil will host them in hell but you have to understand that for the believer you can't afford to be walking with a meathead carnal mentality you'll walk right in the traps with your eyes wide open and not even know that they are there Praise God. So we're not going to be carnally minded, but rather we're going to be spiritually minded because that is where life and peace are located at. The other place is a place where people go after their own desires, even within the church. They go after their own inner inclinations. Even when it goes against God's will, they don't care. They're going to go that direction and they end up in a place spiritually like it's like a, a wasteland. And they become hard. They can become bitter. I, I had a neighbor one time that lived close by, and he was never very nice to me. He was a Christian man, even went to a spirit-filled church, but um, just didn't agree, I guess you could say, with my message. But one time I got invited to go speak at this church. I had no idea that was his home church. But the pastor liked me and invited me to minister. So I came and I preached and I ministered and I start uh, ministering to people afterwards. And there's like a line. I'm going down the line praying for people. And I'm going so fast I don't even really almost know who I'm praying for. But I, the next thing I knew I put my hands on the next person in the line and it was him. It was my neighbor. And when I touched him, I touched him with both hands. The moment I did, he screamed out and said, oh, God, I'm so dead and dry on the inside. Uh, uh, hold on just a moment. What in the world is a believer, a child of God doing in a position where they are dead and dry on the inside? My friends, that's a byproduct of doing your own thing in life. I'm going to live where I want to live. I'm going to work where I want to live. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Not even the Holy Spirit. Mm. Many believers have their own way of serving God. Here's how it works. They're going to do their thing first. They're going to take care of number one first. Number one is them. They're going to make sure it's the way they want it. And then after it's all positioned the way they want it, then they say, Lord, here I am to serve you. <laughs> My friends, in the eyes of God, it's a total joke. In the eyes of God, it's, it's like God wants to spew that out of his mouth. That is not service rendered unto God. That is fake Christianity. Mm -mm. And on the inside, there's cobwebs and there's creepy crawly things. And it's, it's, it is a habitation of arrogance and pride where they sit on the throne of their heart. And only every now and then, only every now and then will they say, Jesus, you know, I love you. You know, after all, everybody, everybody wants to go to heaven. Even, even sinners want to go to heaven. I've never met anybody excited about burning in fire for all eternity. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit work with your mind. You don't need 
a psychiatrist to sit down and cycle babble with you and talk about this or that. You can take God's word and sit down on a couch in a private quiet room in your home or you're in an apartment or wherever you're at or even your car and let the Holy Spirit help you to work with your mind and he can walk you out of the trauma of past experiences. He can clean out the cobwebs and kill the spider and he can get you into a place where you can relax and breathe. Praise God, not chasing after the things of the world, not running after mammon, but serving God. And then suddenly realize because you're doing that, the blessings are now running after you. <laughs> Woo. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody is getting delivered and getting set free today. Let's go over just for a moment to Ephesians chapter six. And let's drop down now to verse 11. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The W-I-L-E-S, the wiles of the devil. You know, there was that, you know, growing up when I was a kid, there was the cartoon about the uh, roadrunner. And you had the coyote always trying to catch the roadrunner. The coyote's name was Wild E. Coyote. So it was spelt just like this word. In other words, the coyote was always strategizing, how can I catch the roadrunner? And of course, he never did. But you have to understand the enemy plots, schemes, and strategizes how to trap the believer. Again, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against these diabolical strategies of the devil that he sets up to take you down. And he's really good at what he does. The only way you can defeat him is to walk in the spirit. If you walk in the flesh, he'll cook your goose every single time. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian. It doesn't matter if you carry a Bible that's this thick. He will cook your goose every single time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And it doesn't matter how, how smart you are. It doesn't matter if your intellect is 180. He'll cook your goose real good. And then you'll be, you'll be extra smart to know that you just got defeated again. He's not intimidated by any of that. He's not intimidated by degrees. He's not intimidated by, by position. The only thing that unnerves him is a man or woman that knows how to walk in the spirit because he knows he can't defeat him. As long as you're walking in the spirit, he cannot take you out and he can't even get through. It's like these snares. They're laid out in the open and you see them and you go around them. You avoid them. And uh, I tell you what. You have to really know that the enemy is good at what he does. And when you realize and you realize it and you start to see just how much the world is under the influence of darkness, you realize, yeah, I do need to be sober. I do need to be alert and I'm going to resist anything that he's going to try to do. And he will try to do things. Again, Israel had a brutal wake up call when Hamas launched their attack. Are you ready for this? That they had been planning for two years, planning and strategizing the whole thing out for over two years. Wicked, diabolical, that inhuman. It, it, the things that were done were not done on a human level. They were done on a satanic level. They were so evil. 
They were so bad. And again, that's also why when Israel retaliated by going into Gaza, they couldn't just immediately go in there. Do you know why? Do you know that on one of the military bases that Hamas, when they took over this one military base, they actually captured many of the Israeli strategy plans of how they operate in war. And they took them back and they read them. And this is how Israel does their thing. And they, so Israel's like, well, they kind of know our game plans now. We're going to have to rethink about how we go in because they can actually read how we operate. So everything had to be rethought. So the enemy, he is a strategist. He may plan it for two years before he launches it. He may plan it for two months. But you need to be aware of these types of things, praise God. Because a lot of, a lot of Christians, they, um, they, uh, they treat the devil like he's a little, like a little pet or something like that. You have to know what you're up against. You can defeat him always in the Lord, but you have to walk with the Lord. Keep all the doors closed to the enemy. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go uh, to Galatians chapter 5. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Turn back to the left just a little bit. Galatians 5, verse, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the last one, which is uh, maybe takes the longest to master. Maybe that's why it's last, is <laughs> self-control. Praise God. Self-control. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that, this is easy stuff. Is it really? We're just coming off Thanksgiving, right? Got Christmas right around the corner. Did you exercise self-control at the Thanksgiving table? These, these are things where the enemy, he, he's got little, look, he's not only got big things that he tries to launch. He's got little bitty things all over the place where potentially he'd like to trip you up every single day. I was getting my teeth cleaned recently at the dentist. Very nice dentist, Christian man. He loves the Lord. And uh, he came in to give me my checkup after my cleaning. And uh, he said, Stephen, how do, you say, how, how do you stay thin? I said, well, I said, I just trust God's grace to put the brakes on when I need to. He said, well, the brakes on my car don't seem to be working. His wife happened to walk by at the, right at the same time. And she said, she said, my car don't even have any brakes anymore. <laughs> But, and you know, that, that's all in kidding. But let me say this, self-control, it's like you have to have it on the scene everywhere. It's so easy to overeat. One of the sins in America that is very easily tolerated, if not even sometimes celebrated, is the sin of gluttony, where we all have a set body weight, and we all have a different frame. Maybe you're big-boned. And therefore, you're going to have a, uh, uh, and you're also taller and bigger. You're going to have a heavier body weight. That's, that's just simple science. But regardless of what it is, you do have a set body weight, which is the ideal weight of where you should be at and where God created you to be. But how easy is it in this world in which we live, where we Americans eat better Chinese food than the Chinese do, how easy is it to be eating and you hit full? 
but you think in your mind it tastes so good. I'm going to keep eating because if I eat, if I save it and microwave it later, it's not going to taste near as good. I might as well just go ahead and finish it now. How easy is it to stumble into that trap? And you tell yourself you won't do it. But then the next thing you know, we're not walking in the spirit. Self-control is not being exercised. And the next thing you know, you've overeaten. Then 30 minutes later, you're like, oh, what did I do that for? I feel so bloated and gross. What did I do that for? It's a little snare. It was a little trap. And these little things, my friends, they're all over the place. Are you ready for this? You're going to need to walk in the spirit until you reach the safe spot, which is where it's when you go home to be with Jesus in heaven. When you're there with the father and the son and the Holy spirit, almighty God, when you're there with the angels and all of the redeemed saints, you can, you can relax. You can, you can finally, uh, ease off of the guard. Why? There's no sin there. There's no temptation there. There's no dirty devil hiding behind a bush. It's, it's all over. You're free. You can relax. The battle's over until we come back with the Lord, uh, at the, uh, final battle, the battle of Armageddon. Uh, where we come back and wipe the devil out finally. And then he's finally thrown into, um, after the 1,000 year reign, then he's finally thrown into the lake of fire and, and hell itself is thrown into the lake of fire, which is an entity that holds all of the unbelievers. They're all thrown in, praise God. Hallelujah. And it's over with. But I tell you what, when you reach the eternal shore of heaven, you can relax. But till then, you got to keep walking in the spirit. Why? Because every single day, there's goofy stuff out there. Arguments that the enemy wants to pull you into. Why? To disrupt your peace. To steal your joy. All kinds of goofy little things that are out there every single day. You have got to learn to exercise self-control. Walk in the spirit. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 24 is very, very staggering. And those who are Christ have crucified. That means nailed to the cross and died. Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I have something very wonderful to tell you today. It's so wonderful. You might float around the house six inches off the floor. I have something wonderful to tell you today. There's room on the cross for you. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's a little depressing. It is if you want to be a meathead. Mm. Pastor Stephen, you're trying to steal my joy. Yes, if your joy is to go out and get drunk again. Yes, if your joy is to go sit at the bar and laugh at all the dirty jokes being told by the bartender. Yes, amen. But my friends, there's room at the cross for you because those who belong to Christ have put to death, have crucified the flesh nature. Those inner inclinations that if you yield to them, they'll take you for a ride you'll never forget. Well, I just want a little ride. Here's the problem. You take that ride, uh, the devil will end up driving your car. And you'll think, how in the world is, did this ever happen? Deception. It is the, the deception of sin to think, I can get off this bus whenever I want. Oh, no, no, no. Now the devil's driving, and he's locked the door. Now, you, now you're in a mess. Praise God. Now, yes, you can walk out on the devil, but you better get on your knees and get serious with God and stop playing all the games. I'm trying to see how 
close can you be to the flames of hell and then somehow still get into heaven? What kind of a life is that? It's actually a life of torment. You want to see Christians that aren't happy? Find those that are trying to go to heaven, and yet they still want to live in the world. They're miserable. They're miserable. Mm. Why? Because they're torn. They can't quite indulge all the way because they know it's wrong. And if you go all the way in, oh, that's the devil's world. And uh, the devil's, they, they all, they're all going to go to hell. And oh, I don't want to go to hell. Nobody does. So it's misery being in the middle ground. Praise God. Come on, get hot for the Lord and serving with fervency and get away from the dangers of that area where you're trying to walk over into that. It's a dark place. Get away. It's very, very slippery over there. Praise God. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Praise God. Very quickly, Mark, the gospel of Mark chapter eight. Thank you, Lord Jesus today. Verse 34. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? No, I have no desire to want to be Bill Gates. I don't want to be Elon Musk. I don't want to be any. I want to just be me in Christ. You need to be happy in you in Christ. You're going to go to heaven. You don't have enough time in this short temporal life to do all these things that these people chase after. Just serve God, live God. You've got all eternity to play golf. You've got all eternity to ride a roller coaster. You've got all eternity to do all these other little things that they all run after seeking, thinking that'll finally fulfill them and they buy $300 million yachts and they're still not happy. It's all a deception. I know nice things. I can appreciate nice things when they're given to me. I will, I know what comfort is. I, I know what something that's pleasant is. I can enjoy that. But you know what? When you're close to God, it just doesn't take a lot to make you happy. Why? Because you've got Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't need a 300-foot yacht. And there's nothing wrong with, with a luxury item or, or anything like that. We're not trying to set a limit on uh, what somebody could have. I'm just saying that these people run after these things. And they think, if I've got the luxury penthouse suite, then I'll be happy. Oh, if I've got the uh, exotic car, then I'll be happy. And they are happy for a few minutes, and three weeks later, they're totally bored with it. Mm, mm, mm. I believe in prosperity. Why? Because it's in the Bible. But you have to balance that with the scriptures where Jesus said, it is hard for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. What is that? God's way of doing things. Because those with wealth often lean back on self-preservation. And they will not walk in faith because they have the safety net of their money. And therefore, they never get into what God's plan for their life is. And Jesus said... That if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. That beautiful God destiny and God plan that he's got for your life, you'll never get there while you're over here holding your own thing. Oh, it's, it's, it's hard. How, well, how do you do it? 
you get on the cross. It's the only way. And Jesus, Jesus said, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And that was quite shocking to the apostles. <laughs> Who then can be saved? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. But you've got to walk close with the Lord. And you can have those things, but you can't love them. You can't love them. And you can't get starry-eyed about them. Woo! Praise God. You've got eternity on the inside of you. And you're going to be in heaven with the Lord forever. It's like the universe and who knows what else is at your feet to enjoy. Praise God. Amen. We need to pray for these people. They may have money, but they're spiritually broke. They're spiritually impoverished and lost in their sins. Praise God. And they desperately need the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Yes, we're going to take the gospel to the poor. And you know what? We're going to take it to the rich also. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Very quickly, one more scripture today. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 25. Somebody's getting free today. Praise the Lord. Somebody's repenting over having eaten too much pumpkin pie. Praise the Lord. Yes, it did. It tasted good, didn't it? Amen. But you weren't supposed to eat the whole thing. Amen. There's, there's forgiveness at the cross through the blood. Amen. Make it right with God and then exercise self-control. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's just what we do during the holidays. We just shove it all in and then we get wheeled out with the wheelbarrow when we're done. No, no, that's called gluttony. Amen. And skinny people can do it too. Hallelujah. Be on your toes. Be alert. There's little snares all over the place. Be determined that you're not getting hung up in any of them. Thank you, Jesus. Second Chronicles 25 verse five. Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, according to their father's houses throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them to be 300,000 choice men able to go to war who could handle spear and shield. He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel. Now remember the nation, the, the northern uh, portion of Israel because it's been split. So the northern portion, they're all apostate. They're all into idol worship. They're all in the Moloch worship, offering their own children as sacrifices to a demonic entity. Woo, what a mess. Mm -mm. So he had hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel. So yeah, they could, they're good warriors, but they're a bunch of sinners and God's not with them one bit. Mm -mm. But a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you. For the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. I mean, you think about the classic scripture uttered by one of the great prophets who said, leave, and God spoke to the prophet, said, leave Ephraim alone. They're joined to their idols. And behind the idols were demons. He just said, leave them alone. All you can do for people like that is pray, God, please grant them repentance. Why? Because they're hard. And well, Pastor Steve, they just need Jesus. Uh, yes, but when you offend God, insult God, blaspheme God, it's not like you can just turn around and say, well, Lord, let's, let's just make it all right. Hold on a minute. Repentance is granted. 
And it's not something you can just get, oh, okay, let me in, let me in, I repent. Look at Voltaire, who blasphemed God all of his life, cursed God, mocked God, published all of the atheistic material he could, and died in a wretched state on his deathbed to the point that when he died, the lady nurse assisting said, I never want to see another sinner die again for the rest of my life. <laughs> he took the urn where people would excrement before he died. He took it with all the vile and all the excrement and he put it up to his face and poured it on his face and drank it and ate it and blasphemed God with excrement coming out of his mouth and cursed all of his pagan friends who celebrated their lifestyle of cursing God while they were on the earth. He said, I curse all of you. Look at where you've left me at. <laughs> well, Pastor Stephen, God is merciful. Uh, yes, he is. But repentance is something that God grants by his sovereign mercy. Don't ever take it for granted. Mm -mm. God's not with any of the children of, his, of Ephraim. But if you go, be gone, be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. Well, this is quite upsetting to, to the king. Then Amaziah said to the man of God, But what, what, sh what shall we do about the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? I mean, he's paid all of these guys to come fight in his army. And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. In other words, just do the right thing. I need to tell some of you that have been a little bit stubborn concerning God's path for your life. It's never too right to do the right thing. Make the U-turn. Well, Pastor Steve, what will my friends think about me? Who in the world cares what they think about you? You're, you're working with your destiny here. Who cares what they think? Do the right thing. Hallelujah. If you keep going, there can come a point where you throw so much dirt on your destiny, you, you can't even find it anymore. It's like it even becomes lost in a sense because it's now so you're so far off track. I plead with you by the mercy of God, make the U-turn today and get back into the right walk with the Lord. Praise God. It's never too late to get right. Even kings make mistakes. Even preachers make mistakes. I've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. But all you can do in situations like this is just humble yourself and say, yeah, I, I should have never hired, the, hired those guys in the first place. He's already done it. What do you do? Walk away from it. Oh, Pastor Steve, I'm going to lose a lot of money. Yes, walk away from it and consider it the price tag for entering the university of wisdom. It's worth it. Walk away from it. God can give you a whole lot more. Just get your life right with God. <laughs> get, the, get the wickedness out. Get the sin out. Stop doing it. Praise God. Stop being launched for the devil. Pastor Stephen, the devil's just giving me a real hard time. As if he can just walk in there and beat you up like, like he could just do that to anybody. The only way he can do that is there's open doors. Praise God. Slam them shut today. Glory. Glory to God. I'll never forget the time that we were considering expanding 
which we do every year. We look at possibilities for expanding for Christian television. And uh, we, we have an agent that we work with because you need that to a point because they're very knowledgeable with what markets are open, what networks have good slots, you know, what all the rates are and how to negotiate with the rates. Because many times you can negotiate with people that they'll say this is the rate, but of course it's not really. And you need to know where your, your wiggle room is and all of that. So we have an agent and the agent um, said, um, you know, uh, Stephen and Kelly, here's a network that would really give you some good coverage because they're on two major satellites in America. And, uh, that way you could, you know, you could like, you could cross on both of them and reach a lot more people. And, um, I said, okay, we'll pray about it. And on the day that I had to make the decision, me and Kelly both weren't feeling good about it. And honestly, Kelly definitely wasn't feeling good about it. She's just like, Stephen, there's something not right about this Christian so-called Christian network. Uh, that I know a lot of other ministers are on, but something's just not right. By the way, let me say this. It's, it's not one that you would know. Big, yes, in some ways, but it's not like, because uh, I don't want a bunch of people emailing me saying, Pastor Stephen, tell me which one it is. I'm not going to do that. You have to do your own praying anyhow. But um, I was praying about it. Well, Lord, should I go on that network? It does have really good coverage. But I said, Lord, they seem really, really carnal. Seems like I can't even find the Christian identity anymore in this so-called Christian network. It seems they have a totally different agenda. But Lord, they tell me it's great coverage, reaches millions and millions of people. So I was praying, and that day I happened to open up my Bible, and I'm reading this story, and I'm just casually reading through it, and watch what happened. I read verse 7, but a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with, and when it says, where it says Israel, and it says, for the Lord is not with, suddenly the Holy Spirit took the name of that network, television network, and put it right there. And when I read it, it says, for the Lord God, for the Lord is not with, and it named that network. And the Lord spoke to me then, because I saw it. It's like it was like put there for me to see. And then, of course, it kind of turns back into the word Israel. But the Lord said, I am not with that network. And you can go on it if you want, but I'm not paying a penny for it. And I don't have anything to do with that. We want to honor the Lord. We want to live right. If you have to cut losses like the king did, cut them, even if they're financial losses. Well, Pastor Stephen, I put a lot of money into this business. Yeah, it's a very wicked business, isn't it? really does further the kingdom of God. It actually uh, contributes to people's early death, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but Pastor Stephen, a person's got to make, make a living some way. But Paul said, make a good living with your hands. <laughs> it's, uh, it has conditions to it. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. I hear right now the ringing of the words of the Apostle Paul. If any man preach another gospel, let him be accursed. Let him die in his sins and perish. You've got preachers today that are laying on deathbeds, still preaching messages that are universal in nature, that everybody's saved, everybody can get to heaven. It doesn't matter if you molest little children. It doesn't matter if you're a rapist. It doesn't matter if you're a mass murderer. It doesn't even matter if you're the devil. Eventually, everybody's going to make it into heaven. Oh, that is so diabolical. 
And you've got some laying on their deathbed still preaching that, having forsaken the gospel that they once preached, now preaching total blasphemous messages. And Paul didn't feel sorry for him a bit. He said, let he who preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Oh, Pastor Stephen, we need to pray for them. You're wasting your prayers. You're wasting your prayers. Many of them, they're already gone. They're, they're already gone. They're already gone. They're going to be faithful to the devil to the end. Praise God. You make sure that you gain heaven. You stay on track. You stay on course. Amen. Lift up your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching today. Maybe some feel a little bit righteously fearful. Father, we thank you that the spirit of the fear of the Lord is healthy. We thank you, Father, that we have a great reverence for you, and we're not here playing games. This is not like a basketball game where we lose and we're like, let's do another take. Lord, we only have one chance in life. We're walking through this. Everything is on the line. Father, strengthen your people. Strengthen your people. Those that need to make adjustments, some that need to make major course corrections, let them make it today while they still have yet the time to recover. Now, Father, we thank you that you're a merciful God. We thank you that right now you are extending repentance to those that need to make things right with you. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody, you're watching me right now, and you have stolen money, and that money that you took unlawfully, you say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. But you're still convicted. Why? You need to put the money back. You need to return the money. If you have to put it in an envelope or something and mail it back or do something, you need to return that. There needs to be restitution if it can be made. Don't sit there and say, God, forgive me. God, you understand. Yeah, God knows you still got that money. And as long as you have it, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the thief. Repent. Send the money back. Don't ask God to forgive you while you got that money sitting over there. Send it back with interest. And then God will hear your prayer. Father, help that person right now. If you're watching me today and you don't know Jesus, we can pray together and we're going to do that. Jesus will save you. If you're watching me and you used to serve the Lord, but you walked off on him and you know now that you were deceived, the devil pulled one over on you. Come on back and walk in the light. He'll never catch you again. Now together, let us all pray. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I'm not running from you anymore. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash all of my sins away with your precious blood. Jesus, save me now. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, Step into my life today and lead me and guide me. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, I'm real, real happy in my heart because he got you, didn't he? And the burden's gone. The shame, the guilt, it's gone. And God's spirit is all over you right now. Let the Lord love on you. Amen. He's got you now. And walk with him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My friends, let's take Holy Communion today. I want you to grab some grape juice and some bread, a little, uh, a little wafer, a little cracker, whatever you have. If you don't have that, just take a little piece of, from a loaf of bread and pull it off. Praise God. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. Through this prayer, we set it apart as being holy. And we thank you that this is the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, veiled through the form of bread, and the blood veiled through the form of juice, we thank you, Father God, that we are receiving strength. Thank you, Father God, let truth be our great delight. We thank you, Father God. Father, let us be those that throw out the, the uh, life-saving equipment for those that are drowning in sin. We thank you, O oh God, you're going to bring them by our life. You're going to bring them past us. Maybe on the airplane, maybe on the street, but somebody, somewhere, they'll be open. And Father, we thank you, we'll throw out the life raft. Thank you. Father, we receive the body of the Lord with great thanksgiving, knowing that we belong to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. For some of you, this is the first time you've ever taken communion. For others, this is the first time in a long time you've taken it. Amen. Welcome back to the table of blessing. Let's receive. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus, his mighty cleansing power. We thank you, Father God, for a wall of fire and protection all around the battles and our loved ones. We thank you, Father God, that even those that maybe were captured in the enemy's camp, you're going to visit them and you're going to bring them out. Thank you, Father God. We thank you for prodigals coming home. We thank you, Father, for your angels working to help us bring in the harvest left and right. And Father, we know that in a sense it comes down to one-on-one. -on -one. Bring them in, Father. Even if we just get that one, there's the one, the shepherd left the 99 to go get the one. We thank you, Father God. Highlight that one to us as we're out and about. And we thank you for your grace to take time to minister to that precious soul. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for safety and protection in your kingdom through the blood in the name of Jesus. Let us receive together in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. New eyes to filter. New eyes to see. New eyes to see the value of the cross and the foolishness of what sometimes is even held up as Christianity. When in the eyes of God, it's, uh, it's something that he would rather even spew out. Praise God. The Lord, the Lord knows those who are his. They are those that stay away from iniquity and walk right with God. Any believer that is very light on sin, any believer says, oh, it's no big deal to sin. God will forgive you. As if, you know, you're just eating a cheese and a cracker. Has never understood the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Praise God. But God is working with this church because Jesus will, will have a bride that is pure and clean without spot and blemish. And I see him doing that beautiful work in your life. Heavenly Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support of this ministry. Have a wonderful week. I'll see you back again real soon. Bye-bye.